Hello and welcome to the 98th episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers, ask them how they made their start making games, what their influences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and the second half we discuss the game they're here to promote, which in this case is Meridian Squad 22 by Head Up Games. Eddie, who are you and what do you do? Hi, I'm Eddie Toshoy and I'm a game developer. You are indeed. And uh, a, a man who's actually made Meridian Squad 22 almost pretty much by himself with bringing in a lot of people to help out with art and stuff like that. But I don't know, we'll talk about that later on in the show, about how this extraordinary game came into being. How did you make your start making flashy, lighty video games? Well, I was 12 when I got started. <laughs> oh, actually. I love that. It's just, I asked this, this question to developers. Oh, this is a standard five set of questions, always the same every episode. But of course, obviously, there's different answers to each one. And sometimes you have answers like yourself, like, oh, I'm way back when I was a fetus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, coding away while you're in your mother's womb to everyone from, like, I started when I was 43. So tell us, 12, you started. Yeah, yeah, I, I, was, a, I was one of those weird kids, yeah. And um, I uh, opened my very first, very first music editing software when I was 14. But, you know, I had it, I had it easy. I mean, my father is a, is a programmer, so uh, it... it I was clinging on every single word of his and just, uh, you know, whenever he was sitting there working, I was, I was listening and, and asking what's what. And, and basically that's how I got uh, the basics and, and went from there. I, I've never learned this in a school or anything. So it's, it's all just me and, and by myself. Throughout did you, the- did you read any books though and stuff like that? I, I weakly remember a single book. Um, called Delphi 6 for Beginners, which was way back. Uh, I, I think I was 15. And uh, that was the first and last pro- book about programming that I've ever read. Wow. And, and that was it, yeah. And a lot of tutorials, of course. Of course. Um, stumbling around, making mistakes, which is how you learned. And like, well, I'm not doing that again then. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I've created a cascade effect from which I can't break. Oh, great. Good, good job, me. Um, okay. So what was your first game then? Uh, who, um, the first that I'm actually going to own up to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was when I was uh, 18, right. and uh, it's it's still available on ModDB as a freeware. It's called Arkan, and it's a science fiction uh, turn-based strategy game. Wow. So that, that that was the first one, and I made that with uh, just one single other guy. And then people started asking, why the hell is this free? Because it's really, really deep. And then I thought, yeah, well, that's a good question. Then let's make it for money. So, <laughs> well, so yeah. that's how it started. There is a phenomena that you may, you may probably empathize with that there's, um, there's a, there's a conference or not a conference or expo over here in the UK called Rezd. I'm not sure if you heard of it, but, um, it's, uh, it happens in London every year and, uh, they have a section in it called Left Field, and Left Field is basically a collection of games made for the sake of making them. They're yeah. not they're not for sale. They're never going to make any money from them because they're not selling them. They're just there, and yeah. it's just you know people making games for the sake of it. One of the most famous ones, not famous but like odd ones, was it consisted of two puppets, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, and these two puppets have boxing gloves on them, and the players had to it was a multiplayer game, obviously, and the two people had to basically punch the crap out of each other, with, well not themselves but these little puppets, and then <laughs> that and, was and, nice, and they had little sensors on the end of the gloves, which are then reported back to an iPad, which then reflected what it was just bonkers, crazy, <laughs> and people would ask him, "How are you going to monetize this?" What? <laughs> when we're not it's like what do you mean it's like we just made this guy oh right how are you gonna what, what and they didn't understand it you know and for me you know there's this assumption that people make games for profit in order to sell it's not always the case yeah well i do now but yes, uh, no, that's but that's that's still not the primary goal I, I guess we'll get to that later but uh yeah, well, back then, it was mostly a learning project. I, I uh, wrote my very own engine for it for two years before that. And uh, I, I just wanted to make something with it. So that's that's why that game even exists. But that was a learning project. And that's how the first publisher that I've met noticed me that I finished the game on my, based on my own engine. And it's still out there, yeah? Yeah, it is. It can well, still be downloaded. We'll put it on a link on the show notes, everyone, so you can have a look. And uh, Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm, uh, okay, so it's not the best game in the world, obviously. No. It's the first one, but I'm still very proud of it. Some things actually turned out pretty good. Better than mine, where I've never made one. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> I've made precisely zero. Um, but it was that thing when I was... Well, it's never, never too late to start. No, absolutely not. Um, so, and obviously, so is Meridian Squad 22, where is that lie in your library of titles that you've made then? Where is that? What do you mean? I mean... Chronologically, that, yes. Uh, it's, it's the latest one. Uh, it's uh, it's it's still in development. It's in early access at the moment, mm-hmm. and um, I will hopefully wrap up development at the end of summer. Um, yeah, and and basically, it's uh, my third big commercial release. There you go. Yeah. So, as a creator, then, what is your biggest influences? Do you believe as a as a man who who makes um, video games? Um, what is the things that you find that inspire you to, to plow on? Okay, so I just have to get this out of there because I'm a huge fan. So, uh, Lauren Lanning, the creator of, of, uh, Oddworld, uh-huh. Abe's Odyssey and, and Abe's Exodus, and, uh, most recently New and Tasty. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his and, and he's the reason why I'm in this in the first place because, uh, I played, uh, his games way back in, in the nineties and, and I really love them. So that's, that's why I got started in, in this. And, um, Prince of Persia, uh, Chris, Ma- uh, no, um, Jordan Mechner. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the, the sense of time trilogy is, is being my all time favorite and Mass Effect. And also in terms not just games, because there are also novels. I, I really love Asimov's works. Uh, science fiction works. Have you read all the foundation books then? Yeah, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been a while now, but um, basically uh, you can very clearly feel that when, when playing my games. Yeah, I don't, uh, don't want to give away too much, but they clearly don't obey the, the rules of robotics. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and obviously they're not, they may be exercising the zero um, law. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> you could be arguing. Sorry, everyone, if you haven't read Asimov books, I would highly recommend it. Uh, the Rules of uh, Robotics, which is actually, they're deeply flawed, but they, at least they try. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty, pretty genius how they are flawed, actually. It is. It is. Because most people go, no, it seems to be perfectly reasonable. No. <laughs> there's some, there's some, it's slightly broken. 
uh, which is the you know, very basis of the books. But anyway, be that as it may, they made a radio play of that, by the way. It's really cool. Um, so you're t- you're telling me then there's other games, other games that sort of piqued your interest, and also science fiction or or, or, or works of literature outside uh, video games, which is a fantastic answer. Um, well, certainly being inspired by other games is a very, very good thing. But so, also reaching out beyond the, the medium itself and looking to others is also excellent. So, um, who do you most admire in the video game industry and why? It may be a company or a person. And you yeah, it's, it's still Lauren Anning. It's <laughs> still, <laughs> still going to be that answer. Uh, that guy is a survivor. I mean, I mean, uh, he's been torn down numerous times throughout his career and, and he always stood back up and, and just made another game. And, uh, it, it's, it's always works. I mean, he's a genius. Every single game of his is, is unique in, in some way. And, you know, he's the only one who managed to make a game in 1997 that to this day is still innovative because of the GameSpeak system. I don't know if you've played Apes Odyssey, but yes, every, I, I it, remember when they came out and, uh, the, the hello, hello, follow me, okay. Yeah, that's uh, right. That yeah. kind of thing, yeah. That, that's still a unique thing today, and, and it still amazes me, you know, how in a, in a world where there were, there were no cliches in game development just yet, because uh, game development was still very much emerging, and, and he was already there and, and creating something revolutionary. So that's, that's a big, yeah. PlayStation here is fascinating to me, I think, the, the beginning of it. Um, extraordinary things happened. Things were done, things were said. Uh, but there were the embryonic, at that time when it came about, like, you know what, video games don't really have to be for kids anymore. Uh, yeah. And uh, it, it blindsided everyone, including Nintendo. But to have those very old games appear, um, yeah, it was way, way ahead of its time. And I don't think it was really come close to it, really. They've come, they've had bits and pieces taken from it, but they've only sort of focused on one aspect in it. And haven't really considered the whole, uh, which is what makes Abe Odyssey and all of the games that followed so extraordinary. Um, I remember the one, I can't remember what it was called now, but it was one, they re released it on the PS4, I think, where they. Um, Strange, Stranger's Wrath? Yeah, Stranger's Wrath, yeah. FPS, but with little creatures in the gun barrels. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that one too. Yeah. <laughs> I remember some of them making faces at you as you were about to shoot them. Like, yeah, and, and talking to really funny, wicked stuff. That was, yeah. that was really funny. Yeah, I was like, I can't pull the trigger. He's too cute. Anyway, <laughs> um, well, yeah, it's yeah, you're right. His staying power is quite extraordinary. He's been around for a very long time and has done some extraordinary things. So, okay, well, we we talk motoring ahead. Um, let's move on to the last question. The first half. Uh, you've been you know been great for this bit. Um, my favourite question of the show because it gives me an inkling of what you're working on next but it probably doesn't um, <laughs> but I like to think it does what are you playing right now? Uh, other than Marina Squad 22 absolutely yes <laughs> uh, I uh, really love Rayman Legends I enter it from time to time to uh, curse at the screen because it's really really annoying but also so cute that you can't stay mad at it for too long you can't it's too beautiful isn't it yeah, yeah, it is, but it's also maddeningly difficult, and I just there's just something about that, you know, keeps me coming back for more. Um, and uh, what you know, it's uh, probably going to be shocking, but also unbird new and tasty uh, for the third time, I think. Um, Mass Effect two at the moment, usually a great source of inspiration 
whenever I'm I'm stuck somewhere. It's a it's a really great work of art in my opinion. And uh, I think that's pretty much it. Oh yeah, and a 2008 Prince of Persia, the that single edition, you know, where the, that um, had a separate storyline. Right. That um, tune cartoonish graphics. Yeah. And I personally really loved the story behind it. Even though the game was not necessarily perfect, I I, I really really loved the uh, the story and and they replayed. were extraordinary, weren't they? When they I remember them, they just sort of come yeah, out rem- a flurry of them, and then they just stopped. I suppose. Yeah, I really love games with which with a uh, substance with stories, and and that's just missing, unfortunately, nowadays more and more. Yeah, we're going to come on to that when I ask you some questions about Meridian Squad Twenty Two, <clears throat> because. Yeah, I mean, so these are the games you're playing now. You 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 basically you dive into them, replay them over and over. Is that right? Yeah, I do. <clears throat> uh, I do the ones that are are in my opinion worth replaying. I, I replay them over and over again. It's a bit I, you like know, yeah, it's, it's a bit like listening to an old album, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it is, and and I'm also playing games a bit differently, which usually shocks people because you know when when um so I play games as a game designer. So when I look at a game, I, I analyze it, I dissect it. I mean, what's happening and why? And, and usually looking for the, the system behind it. And that's also exciting, you know, discovering new things with every single playthrough. It's a different experience, I, I give you that. So it's not necessarily playing games for the sake of entertainment only. But um, but it's fun. No, I can see that as, as a reviewer of the past. I don't really review games these much these days. But... Um no, you just break stuff down. You can't help but do it. Yeah. And uh, it can be quite interesting. You get more out of the experience. Just to say, oh, I see why they're doing that now. Because they're trying to expose me to this. To make me do that. And I, and usually, <laughs> yeah, and, and usually the best moments are the ones that are, I mean, when, when I'm, in, in Mass Effect it happened more than once. Like, this was awesome. I want to do something just like this. And those are the best best moments, you know, that, that immediately inspire me to think of my own projects and, and come up with something. Mass Effect 2 was certainly a pinnacle in that trilogy. Um, first one I loved, but I can't replay it now because the inventory system is so... Convoluted, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Can't play it anymore because it's just so bad. And 3, well, you know, there it is. It's a thing. Um, uh, yeah, I'm one of those weird people who loves Mass Effect 3, but, you know, whatever. It's good. No, it was a good game. No, it really was. But it wasn't great. Great. <laughs> reserved for two. And, yeah, it's not something I do that often, actually, um, because it's so my mountain of, of games to play is so huge uh, that uh, I tend not to, to replay much, if I can. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, that's, that's a good thing. It's a laudable thing to actually delve into games and just replay them. I, I know of someone who keeps on replaying, um, oh, Dragon Age, because she likes it. Okay, okay. knock yourself out. <laughs> uh, there's a deep game there. You could do it over and over again, so that's fine. Right. So unless you've got anything else for me to chat about and played recently, we'll move on to the second half. Okay, let's do that. Okay, so let's chat about Meridian is what to talk to
extraordinary game. What is it? Well, Meridian Squadron 2 is a science fiction real-time strategy game. It's a follow-up to uh, Meridian New World, which was released in 2014. It's uh, actually two separate stories, so if you've never played Meridian New World, Meridian Squad 22 is still a, a, an experience you can just jump into. And um, it's a it's a story-driven game, so it's, it's single-player only. There is no multiplayer. And there's a, a campaign mode and a, a, a world conquest mode with hundreds of randomly generated missions for you. And, um, yeah, basically that's it. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a real-time strategy game, very much in the tradition of gathering resources, building stuff, building more stuff, waiting for a long time, <laughs> building... Oh, wait, this is just me. Um, yeah, as you can tell in my voice, I am a turtler. I, uh, every RTS I play as much as I can, uh, I will invariably actually build up a that's, phenomenal force. <laughs> that's, that's totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely fine. I mean, in, in Squad 22, you've got this, uh, this research system that uh, actually supports that. And you can either go on the offensive, which, in which you can, in case you become a rusher, you know, like a really, really quick player, or, yep. or, you, or you can be uh, specializing in defense. Yeah. In I'm which case... Point. Yeah, you, you you can turtle, and that's perfectly fine. It's you, you you're, once you own the game, it's yours. I mean, you can play it in however you want. This is exactly why I wanted to have you on because I wanted to talk to you about this. Because my first question to you about detailed design question about about Meridian Squad Twenty Two is is an, it has an interesting method of research. In fact, it's very odd. Um, you have to gather resources on the map. To earn the right to earn technology, which I've never seen before. At least I, I played a fair few RTSs and I don't remember ever seeing that. How on earth did that come about, and why? Well, um, I was playing uh, StarCraft Two uh, right before I was playing uh, the 1995 Command and Conquer title. Uh, you know, before starting development or our planning stages of Squad 22 and it hit me you know that that all these old school RTS games give you technologies in a preset order yes. so as you as you progress through the campaign they basically just throw new tanks or or mechs or whatever at you and and you have no say in the matter so what if i and, and i was like you know jokingly said to a friend of mine that you know it, it would be really great to have that you know massive uh, battle cruiser right here with me right now in this very moment i mean it, i i could really wreak, wreak havoc and then and you know it, it hit me that that would be actually be a really good mechanic to have, and, and obviously I have to limit it somehow, so you can't start with the strongest unit, but uh, these research canisters that you collect allow you to uh, research things in your own order, and in certain points of the campaign, you actually get to choose which path you want to go down. I mean, there's uh, offensive, economy, and defense, and um, you can choose whichever you want, and basically, by uh, the, the middle halfway through the campaign, you can have one branch completely maxed out. And if it's offense, then you're going to have the strongest units. But they're not going to be very heavily armored, so they're going to fall quickly. But they will you will have the firepower to rush like crazy. Or you can go on the defensive, and then in which case you're going to have the slowest but, but heaviest tank uh, halfway through the campaign. And and basically that means that... that uh, it, you play the game in your own way and, and set your own rules throughout the campaign. It also gives a, it a bit of a replayability. Okay. Yeah, I, I definitely felt that um, you could play the campaign in a very different ways. 
I mean, I'm initially I'm turtling up and being very defensive and putting turrets everywhere because I like that. I just like to deal with that until I only attack when I'm really ready, when I feel I'm really ready to actually commit any forces, which normally turns out to be probing forces to find out what's there, and then I go all, all out with everything I've got. Um, normally made up lots of mech units, but more. Yeah, that's true. That works perfectly here. Yeah, it yeah. does. It just, just seems to be my style of play. I enjoy doing that. So yeah, it's quite. In, uh, I've never seen that before. Actually, it felt like almost um, like an RPG tech tree that you know you could go. Yeah, yeah. There's different types of like things you could pursue and play it in that style because that's your character and that's what you want. And you seem to infuse that into uh, Meridian Squad 22, which is quite, yeah, took, took me by surprise, that did, so, yeah. And I want to talk about the viewing field. The view of play seems to be quite fixed. It doesn't zoom in too close or too far. Why did you make the decision to do that? Um, the closest you can zoom in on a, mich- a mission is actually a really simple reason, is uh, when the, the lowest position where you don't clip into anything. So basically, I just wanted to make sure that you won't see the insides of mountains or, or clip into trees with the camera. So basically, right. yeah, basically that's what I set it to. The lowest that the camera can go is the lowest where you won't clip into anything and you can still view the map from a safe, collisionless distance. Okay, because it was like... And one of the things I like to do when I'm playing Total War games or or um, Dawn of War or something like that is to zoom in and watch them beat the crap out of each other. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is quite the same thing because it's not really melee-based, is it? It's mainly ranged weapons, isn't it? Uh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's it's very pretty, more than pretty. It's I like oh, the lighting, lighting effects, and even if it's in early access right now, it still shows extraordinary promise for what will eventually be the final game. It's quite an extraordinary thing. Um, so, yeah, well, well done on that. But um, speaking of that, so explain your role in the creation of this game. You're, you're almost on your own on this one. How, how have you pulled this all together? Yeah, I, uh, I'm the game designer, programmer, cutscene director, um, musician. And um, also most uh, responsible for most of the graphic assets, but uh, of, uh, I'm, I'm actually graphics is my weakest um, aspect, so I, I'm really not that good at it. So uh, I, uh, I I created all the particle effects, but um, you know like explosions and, and lasers and whatnot. But but uh, purchased online uh, a few of the of the models you see in game, and uh, a friend of mine provided uh, the worker drone. Uh, because I didn't have that, and uh, we also hired someone for the naval shipyard. So uh, that that this one man project, it's uh, it's basically uh, extended with the graphic artists, a few uh, for a, for a few uh, jobs, and uh, also um, Hexani Audio, which is a sound design company based in LA, and they've provided all the sound effects for the game. Right. I mean, so how have you found that actually? Bringing all that together, tying it all into a single um, thing. I know you've done it three times before now professionally, but it's it's, it's it's quite a feat to do that. But I, I did it more times. That was that's not all my games, but but yeah. No, no. <laughs> so <laughs> what drives you to do that? I mean, it's quite extraordinary. To you, you have any one to fall back on, or I mean, is this because what is this why you're doing early access so you can get the community to feed back into you? Um, 
Can you repeat that question? Sorry. Yeah, I kind of went rambling on there. Let me just point it out. Okay. What I was saying was that you you manage all this stuff by yourself. Isn't that quite daunting without any proper backup? Uh, yeah. In in uh, in case of Meridian New World, which uh, was a three year project for me, I I was really afraid all, pretty much all the time <laughs> that that it's gonna be it's gonna come crawling down on me and and it's gonna just. Uh, be, you know, the, the project is just going to end, and I'm, I'm not going to be able to continue on. I'm going to make one line of code that's, that's going to make collapse it all. So um, it's um, uh, back then. It was it was really a stressful situation. I was really afraid, and it, it was a really ambitious task. And I was always afraid that it's going to be more than I can handle. Mm. But with Meridian Squad 22, you know, it, I had proof of concept before. I did it. Once before. So Marina Squad 22 was more of this laid back. Okay, let's do this. What can I improve? Let's read the, the player feedback. What, what did they, they didn't like about it? And then let's improve it. And, um, yeah, so, so, um, with this game, it was, it was much easier. Also, whenever I'm, I'm, uh, well, like you said, you asked what's driving me. Basically, uh, I want to play these games. <laughs> it's, it's as simple as that. Right. It's. Uh, I mean. I mean. A lot of people are asking, "Are you doing it for the money or, or for the success?" Well, I mean, it's, it's not that big of success, and it's it's uh it's not about that. It's it's really about making games that I want to play, and that's nobody, no one else is making anymore. No. So they yeah. don't. They, it's just not. These forms of RTS games aren't done. They've well, kind of led me on to my next question, really. Okay. Um, <laughs> which is, um, so Meridian Squad Twenty Two has a very strong story arc and it seems to though that sort of drives the player on and um, the way I'm linking this to the, the, the question is that most RTSs now have evolved or devolved whatever you want to to, to, to uh, approach it to these grand epics now like Total War or like um, Europa Universalis yeah. you don't actually deal with the um, you don't actually deal with the, the fighting itself. You just send someone off and some numbers come up. And, oh, look, job's done. Because <laughs> you're, you're more interested in the macro universe rather than the micro. But this game on Midian Squad 22, it's back to the micro, isn't it? It's back to scene for scene. Uh, and over, overseeing yeah. everything, yeah. And overseeing everything. So what I'm asking is that with the RTS being a single-player game, which is, again, very unusual... Um, your, the player is ultimately rewarded by completing the missions and progressing the story. How has that impacted on the level design? Well, okay, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> well, um, hmm. see what I mean. So you've got a story there. So what comes first, the level or the or the story arc? Because the story arc has to be very strong. Yeah, this is uh, this is yeah. tough to answer for Meridian because. Uh, I wrote the entire Meridian story arc when I was making Meridian New World, and it's for four games. Right. So, so uh, after Meridian Squad 22, there are two more. So it's tough to answer for Meridian Squad 22 because by the time I was getting into it, I, I already had the story. So for to me, definitely the story came first, and then uh, I built the maps based on that. So what needed to happen in this mission? What's going to happen to each character? What are we going to learn about the world in this one? And then the the mission was built around that. Okay. And what 
what led you to make an RTS that was single player only? Is that something again you just wanted to play yourself? You just want to experience? Yeah, yeah. Basically, uh, there are not a lot of story driven games at all today, but but especially so for RTS campaign, usually are just you know tag, tagged on later. I mean, you you get a campaign and, and then just play it, and 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 it's it's usually a one or two hour something introduction to multiplayer usually uh, nowadays and and basically uh, I, I wanted something to to specifically focus on the story and I especially felt that that we haven't that game developers haven't done enough with with what can be done within the genre of RTS that is why I have these little ship sections where you can make decisions uh, regarding the story or sometimes you make tactical decisions like the choosing the offensive or defensive route and it changes the the outcome of the the current mission or or even have an impact later and and that's something that I think is missing basically uh, your strategic decisions in most old school RTS games uh, are local you're just making them here and now and it only impacts the current mission but what if what if imp- you could make decisions that impact later and and uh, since I had the story already written, it was much easier to design the levels around those decisions. And it basically gives you pause, isn't it? Every decision you make has great, you know, gravity placed against it. It's, it's yeah. Some some has some have smaller, some have larger, but yeah. but yeah, ultimately, yeah. In the, in the first game, Meridian New World, uh, in the end, people were loyal to you or hated your guts for for making certain decisions, and some people could have died because of you. So it, it really uh, changed how you how you looked at characters because it, it really mattered what you said in every single situation. And it's very odd to bring those two genres together. An RTS is ultimately is a strategy game, but you're saying, well, why can't we bolt a meaningful and deep storyline against this this these, this game type? I mean, there is the closest I can came to it is the earliest one. Not the earliest, because that's uh, Herzog's Five, but I suppose <laughs> Dune, Dune Two was the uh, oh, yeah. the very first one, and that had a story to it. Certainly, um, it was much better than Dune One, which is tough, tough game to get head around. Uh, and you know, it then I mean, Commander Conquer was well known for its bonkers story that got you know people were, it had the live action sections in it. In the, in the, yeah, yeah, it was amazing. But it, it, you're right, they they stepped away from it, I think, quite severely. Um, the closest coming to it these days is the StarCraft games. They still do it. And um, Marine Squad 22. Yes, and now <laughs> Squad 22. But it is a, is a solely a single-player game. You haven't looked at them doing multiplayer at all, and that gives you... I did, I did actually. At, at some, yeah, at some point, briefly, I did. Um, right. Yeah, when when I was beginning development of Marine Squad 22... I uh, actually looked at making a, a multiplayer version, and I came up with a very rudimentary one-on-one uh, mode, right. deathmatch mode, and it actually worked. But um, as it turned out, not a lot of people are playing RTSs for multiplayer anymore, believe it or not. Uh, so basically, uh, I was I was like, if, if someone wants multiplayer in an RTS, a competitive one, they play StarCraft. And yes, if, if someone, and if someone wants microing even more than that, then they play MOBAs. You know, like like. <laughs> Yeah, League of Legends. Yeah, basically those are simplified RTS games uh, designed to just include the micro and nothing else. So basically, uh, I, I didn't see a market for for Squad 22's multiplayer. And and you know, with the research system, how do you even make that work? Do do matches take you know days and everybody researches everything? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, does it? Yeah, you'd have to like, oh no, I'm after that resource. 
No, I've got it now, so I can resort. And, and how, how, realistically speaking, how big a map would need to be to have enough resources for everybody? Yeah, yeah. So it yeah, that, it would collapse in on itself, wouldn't it? Yeah, so I had uh, to had to drop that one. Yeah, yeah. It, you definitely made a hybrid game here in three sort of prongs: a heavy story, so it's an adventure, and then you got the the tech tree, which is definitely drawn from games like Diablo, etc. So like, okay, it's a hack and slash got in there. And then, the, but there's the the standard interface that I you know know and love about RTS games. It's all very much there. You know, you build up. It's a single resource. Uh, yeah. You 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 gather that, turn it into stuff, and then hopefully send things off into battle that don't die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you try to make sure of that. Uh, trying to make sure the healing thing is quite useful in the early part of the missions. It's yeah, actually quite impressive. So. I think that's pretty much it. It's all the questions I had uh, on the Meridian Squad 22. You say it's in early access right now. Uh, the format, is it Windows PC? At the moment, it's just Windows PC. Yeah. To any other platforms are to be announced. Yeah. We, we are not sure yet. But the, I mean, the publisher and me. And, um, and it's eventually be finished in the summertime this year? Yeah, at the end of the summer, August or, or September. I'm not sure yet. Hopefully... Okay. Yeah, earlier than later. But it's, and, uh, it's pretty yeah. impressive right now where, where it currently stands. So I'm not sure what else you can improve with it, but there it is. Well, uh, include include the rest of the missions, of course. Yes, <laughs> that would help. Um, but uh, what kind of feedback are you getting from uh, the community? Is it good? So far, it looks really great. Uh, we've got a, an uh, an average of uh, user reviews on Steam of of 89 percent. Okay. And uh, and uh, there were two official reviews out. I mean, by official, I mean with a score and, and an actual written review. And one was eight out of ten, and the other was eight point five out of ten. So it's actually looking pretty good from Marina Squad Twenty Two, and and certainly looks much better than than New World ever did. Excellent. Uh, Excellent. Yeah. So it's it's so far so good. So far so good. Well, I do wish you the very very best of luck in uh, your future endeavors with. With Meridian Squad 22 and uh, the other two games you're going to make for this universe, which sounds quite interesting. Yeah, though that's not the next one, but yeah. No, I know. I understand. Yeah, you, you wanted to ask about the next project, though, didn't you? I was hinting when I asked you about the games you were playing. That might give me a hint about what you're working on next. If you want to reveal now, by all means. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm actually going to move away from RTS for a little while okay. uh, because uh, there was. Uh, I've been working on Meridian's. For five years now, right. So yeah, it's a. It, it, I'm, I need a little break. So I'm. I'm gonna actually try and, and have a, a little bit of an international team to to work with. So a little bit uh, going just a bit bigger with with more people to work with and and come up with uh, another long forgotten genre of uh, of the Prince of Persia like action adventure platforming kind. Of course, with storytelling. Yes. Because that's the hallmark of your game, by all accounts. So, uh, Eddie, it's been fantastic having you on, um, and uh, we'd love to have. Thanks you for the opportunity. Yeah, I'd love to have you back on when uh, when you've got your next game out. It'd be fantastic. But in the meantime, I wish you the very best of luck. Bye. Thanks. Bye. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review, and you can also don't forget listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com, and you can stream the show from there. You just look up the Sausage Factory, and you can find us. That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes, 
And uh, if you want to email me any feedback on the show, or actually you're a developer who listen to this show and want your game featured on it, please do email me at chris at spong.com. Also, don't forget to check out the Computer Game Show, which is the stablemate podcast, should we say, of spong.com. Bye!